the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. We got two hosts today, though. We have Mr. Rob Black. Rob, how are you? I'm well. <laughs> we got the audit. Well, let's just say it's it's off to a fresh start. Yeah, there we go. We're like, who's doing the openers for the first hour? But we're going to do two hours today. So stay tuned for the whole two shows, I guess. So here we are. We're, well, not quite halfway through the year. First week in May. And third. S&P, yeah. S&P 500 up 12.1% or so for the year. Did you think that we were sitting back in January? Did you think we'd be up another double digits by mid-year after an amazingly good year last year? Um, every year, I think you and I say the same exact conversation. Like, uh, when does the 10-year winning streak end, per se? And does a pandemic undo it? Does the year after pandemic undo it? When do we run out of steam? Yeah, I mean, we've seen a little bit of a run out of steam in some of the COVID style and a little bit on the tech plays. I guess you could say that, but the NASDAQ's still up 8%. Um, the, the rotation, I think if you look all the way back to April or so at the bottom of the correction last year, and if you look at one-year returns on portfolios, it's silly. It's silly good. Silly bizarre. Um, yep. And the S&P 500 you know, had become a large cap growth index the way that it's kind of put together with a market weighting where if you put money into the S&P 500 index, most of it's going into the top 50 or 60 companies that are in there because it's a market cap weighted index. It's not, and if you had 500 bucks, it's not a dollar that goes into each of the companies in the S&P 500. It's more weighted towards the top. If you look at the S&P 500 equal weighted index, where if you had a 500 bucks, it equal dollar would go into all those companies. So you get down the line, you get more value and you start to get into the smaller company world. That's outperformed by almost 6%. So you're getting that value rotation. Okay. And you're getting the rotation into small cap stocks that really already occurred. If you look at the last 12 months, small cap stocks up 82%. I think you and I both talked about that in the first quarter, the end of the first quarter last year after the big correction. Like this is the buying opportunity of the decade for generational opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Are you at all concerned because I'm hearing some CNBC types and Bloomberg radio and TV types that are saying that the rotation into value seems to be a little bit, eh, not fully committed. And then it's back to growth and it's not really committed there. There's almost a lack of conviction of a stronger follow through. 
That can serve I you? think it's, yeah, well, <clears throat> there's a couple areas of value, right? Okay. You have the energy stocks, which makes sense because they just got beaten up and nobody ever thought oil prices would go up again. But, you know, because the entire world's changing, we all go electrical. Chad and Rob bought Tesla's nobody's buying gas vehicles in the future. Well, here's the deal. Our infrastructure can't handle everybody going electric right now. If you think about if all the people switched over to electric vehicles, our grid would explode. There's just, there's no way that it can handle it. There's not enough chargers out there. Um, so the other side of value is, is some of the industrial stocks that deal with industrial or with infrastructure. Okay. Right. There's a lot of opportunities there. That's where the fiscal stimulus should have started with, in my opinion is the fiscal packages um, to really increase our grid. Uh, just ask Texas. <laughs> so they got crushed. They also asked for deregulation. So all the people that voted for that years ago also got crushed on their high energy bills, unfortunately. So there's there's a lot of industrial stocks that were considered um, value and there's still room to run, I think, there in my opinion. Financials, because interest rates were so low. And they were trading at the lowest price to book in a long, long time. And interest rates were starting to come up and the economy was improving. So financial stocks have done pretty darn well, but interest rates have come back down a little bit again. And and now it's, okay, how is everybody going to handle the thoughts of inflation? So, and then certain healthcare can definitely be considered value at this point. So I think it's just kind of like everybody's so focused on the news and they're so focused on the areas of the market where there is a bit of a bubble which is speculation, anything IPOing, anything that has to do with crypto, anything that has to do with uh, fear of missing out. People that missed out or cashed out and now they're trying to get back in because it's they don't even know what they're getting into, Rob, but they're buying it, right? They don't look at the fundamentals of a company, but what they're going to buy it. The companies that come in public like Jessica Alba's Honest Company. Because I, I refer to her as the, the first internet kind of like superstar mm-hmm. as far as celebrity referral. Oh, yeah. Use a lot of honest products in our house. Okay. Okay. So there are some real IPOs that, that come on, that's going to be acquired by someone like Procter & Gamble or Clorox down the road is my thought. What's yours? Well, so my thought on that one is I thought she already sold it a long time ago. So I'm out of the loop on that one. I haven't even noticed that IPO to tell you the truth. Um, I notice. <laughs> Tether is a stunningly beautiful woman ringing the bell at the NYSC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jessica yeah. Alba. But uh, now I'm going back to the 1980s, Rob. Uh, cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be careful these days, right? I just, I'm, I'm impressed that she was an early influencer because when I got married, I was marrying women her age, and women her age wanted to have babies. And when she had a baby, she's like, "Let's let's do it chemical free," and it it, it, it changed purchases in the home. Mm-hmm. It definitely changed the way we did sunscreen to our kids for sure. Um, there was that whole, do you remember that whole deal way back when, when the, I think it was the first version of that and it, oh, yeah. the sunscreen really wasn't working very well. It's like Crisco. It was cooking. People. It was yeah. The wrong thing. Yeah. Well, we ended up making our own after that because a more natural version of it was sink and everything else. And yeah. it made everybody smell like uh, freshly baked cookies. <laughs> You're not doing the Mark Zuckerberg. Put it on triple times, are you? No, but I have written one, written one of the e-foils. That was a hilarious picture. I just saw that two two days ago. I, don't, I missed the original one when it came out. How was the e-foil or whatever you're talking about? Because that looks like fun. Oh, it was a blast. There's uh, there's two things that are pretty fun. There's these jet boards that are more like a snowboard on water that are they're gas or now electric. So you ride it around on 
water, almost like a snowboard. And then there's the e-foils, which come up on a plane because of the big foil that's underneath it, almost like those rate, those boats that race. So you get going to a certain speed and then it comes up and it's like you're floating on water. Um, and you can lay, you start by laying on your stomach and you have a trigger in your hand. It's all electric. And, um, it's like, it was like flying around like Superman on top of the water. It was so much fun. Those things are expensive toys. You're running like 12 to 14 grand. Did you buy one or did you rent one? No, I haven't bought one. I know people with them. I I spent enough time on the boat. I don't know if I need another multi-thousand dollar toy on the water. I'm with you. So you got about two minutes. Where are we going? Uh, I think we should spend the next segment talking about inflation because, um, I don't know, tell me some of the stories you've heard personally maybe about inflation real quick. Um, I just think the one that jumps out is Warren Buffett, you know, last weekend at his conference saying, you know, we're seeing inflation in all of our businesses and we're going to eventually have to pass that on to you. And you've also heard it from Procter & Gamble, big consumer goods maker at the grocery store. Coca-Cola is seeing a rise of 30% in corn prices and their soda is made out of corn syrup. So it looks like an expensive summer ahead. Yeah. On, on the drive-in today, I was listening to uh, financial, uh, it was Bloomberg that I was listening to on the way in. Okay. And, uh, you know, places like FactSet and other firms, they, they track um, in, they track conference calls and transcripts for words. And the mention of inflation went up 800-fold from this time last year. So, so corporations are seeing it. Definitely corporations are seeing it. And the, the everybody's kind of wondering what... And, and even some of the analysts in our firms, you have some that are more one side than the other in terms of, no, this is a shorter one or two year inflation issue until the supply chain is fixed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. They got to catch up. Literally stuff was shut down for three or four months. And so between the higher demand and the shutdown, they're, they're a year behind. And then you got chips and other things. Kind of a funny day because I'll host the first hour with the guy that got me into radio 24 years ago. Long time, right? <laughs> Do I regret getting you a show, you little Joe Rogan Jr.? <laughs> I probably looked like I was 12 when I first got on stage to talk with you. But anyway. Now you look like you're 14. I know. I've really aged in COVID for sure. <laughs> so this is interesting because I was just looking through the um, the idea that President Biden's $1.9 trillion American rescue plan gives unemployed workers a $300 bonus payment and a chance to qualify for a tax refund or the, or this uh, tax break, $10,000. $200 unemployment tax break yeah. and how it's going to work. There's an article on it on CNET even. Now, here's what's interesting because there's a lot of people that went on unemployment and then they got their stimulus check and then they started trading cryptocurrency. And they don't understand two things, that unemployment is taxable income. Okay. And the trades on cryptocurrency are taxable. <laughs> so there's a lot of people that don't realize Coinbase, for example, sends a 1099 to the IRS on the trades that you make. And so um, I'll maybe get into that in a little bit because, you know, just keep that in the back of your mind because it's catching a lot of people off guard. Um, but let's a question about that real quick. Sure. I was driving in this morning and uh, listening to CNBC because it's on my satellite radio. And uh, they get angry at each other with the panelists. And some of them are saying uh, the entitlement state, people don't want to go back to work. That's why the jobs numbers aren't better because people don't want to go back to work. Um, and they're literally like, and then they're like, but preschool is a good thing. And other people are like, it's an entitlement, uh, but preschool is a good thing, but it's entitlement. Wait, where are you with all this anger on, will people go back to work? Do you think? 
Um, uh, first of all, I, I can't I can't watch the NBC anymore because okay. of that whole four to six screen argument on stuff. Okay. And then all they say is, I think, I think, I think, instead of showing the data, I think Bloomberg does a much better job of just reporting data. Okay. Um, much better interviews, I think, too. So, uh, first of all, the one thing I did like, I, I, the, there's a lot of tough stuff when it comes to capital gains and um, tax issues I do not like about the Biden plan, but I do like the idea of helping people with daycare. Um, because I'm just growing up with a single mom, broke constantly. Mm. I try to tell the, not to my kids all the time. I had a paper out when I was nine. I bought all my own school clothes, bought my own first car, did all this kind of stuff. And that gave me worth that work ethic. Like I got to get this myself. And um, I saw my mom working really, really hard, but I also saw her struggle. And a lot of that being younger, I remember is like daycare costs. And then we have friends that I know that struggle. We have a friend, Rob, that um, she has four kids mm. divorced mm. And husband took a, in my opinion, a BS military um, disability, like full disability. Oh, man. Guess what? That, that disability income, not touchable by uh, first for um, uh, d- uh, child support. Okay, alimony and stuff. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot, I'm sorry, there's a lot that play that system. And fine, if there's a, a medical reason truly that you are out of the military, that's great, but it should be there to support your kids. So I've seen a lot of single moms really struggle with the whole daycare thing and the costs are just really, really tough. Disability is easy to get hooked on, I think, because I dated a girl whose sister was kind of fat and she just didn't want to work. <laughs> like she could work because like, I saw her like sit around the house watching, you know, Terry Springer all day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll never marry this girl. And I, I basically had to tell her I have to break up with you because your sister's lazy. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be dealing with that burden forever and ever and ever. Something like that. Especially if they're enabling. It's one thing if they're pushing them to do something better okay. with their lives. But if family members are enabling somebody else, yeah, I'd probably take a hike for sure. Um, yeah, and, and there is something to be said because I know I have several clients that are in the restaurant world. And as they reopen, trying to get back people back to work, very difficult. Um, one of my favorite restaurants near our Vancouver, Washington office finally reopened. The guy was just like, you know what? Um, I'm definitely just not opening again until it's feasible. A lot of other restaurants were struggling, trying to stay open, continually applying for the PPP loans to keep people on the payroll. And they're open at 50% capacity and basically 14, 15 hour days and not making hardly anything. So he just didn't want to deal with that. And once he reopened, we go in and uh, out to that restaurant and a bunch of new faces. Like we're, we knew all the servers and stuff like that, a bunch of new faces. And then you can see the guy stressed out because he's got all these new people that weren't working before um, working. And and then he was totally understaffed that day. They're, they're really having trouble finding yeah. people because when you get a $300 extension, this is, a, this is a world of two economies because most people I know, Rob, mm. had their best years ever. But if you're in hotel, you know, the leisure industry, travel industry, um, anything that required personal contact and you couldn't do electronically, uh, it was, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. It's been really, really tough. Uh, in fact, I know uh, one of the very few eviction attorneys mm. um, in by, the again, the Vancouver, Washington office. And you couldn't get anybody out of a property, right? Because there was that moratorium. Yeah. Just think of what that did to his business. Um, so there's pockets for sure. But when it comes to... 
I'm just hearing so many stories of college kids on unemployment and um, that really didn't work much. <laughs> you know, there's, there, there's something to be said. I think there's a lot to be said for if an area is opened up the, in that state and things are closer to back to normal, then those unemployment extensions shouldn't be there. People should go back to work if they have job offers. But it's, there's, there's no way to regulate the system, right? There's so many people that have applied for it and not enough people to say, should you really be on it? Could be an interesting three months because we've started seeing some states repeal some of the benefits tied towards unemployment and uh, maybe force people's hands. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting though because we did get a pretty uh, futures are down in the market right now as we do this 627. So, market opens in a few minutes mm-hmm. today on May 7th. If you're listening to the podcast, it's a little delayed, but um, less than expected. Pretty disappointing jobs report today. So futures are down slightly. Um, what they're saying, but about to that. me, it's more of a labor issue. Like most of the the companies that have been continuing to do well are really having trouble finding good people. Um, the labor numbers that I saw, Chad, it looks like last month we brought people back to work. Now we're waiting for small businesses to start businesses again, mm-hmm. and that takes a couple weeks, months, permits, getting leases signed, getting employees trained. So they're saying the job market is going to be like really bumpy in the next couple of months, which should create an interesting stock market uh, as we t- continue to watch it play out. Yeah, in terms of, uh, okay, now I'm a believer in a, a more of a higher inflation cycle. It's when we see the cost of labor go up okay. in this in this type of cycle. So right now it's the cost of goods. I don't know if it's as much the cost of services have gone up because mm-hmm. we're a very service-oriented economy. 70 to 80% of our economy is really service-based. But it, the cost of goods have definitely gone up. And you're hearing that, just like I was talking about uh, before, we're hearing an uh, eight-fold increase in, in the terms inflation of costs going into anything, really. Even service companies that need to buy computers, their computer costs are going up. So when that flows into the labor side, because people are demanding higher wages to work for that company. That's when you're, all right, we're in a bit of an inflation cycle and the Fed's fueling it a little bit too much. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Rob and I doing the show jointly together. Hopefully more and more of that coming year or two. Um, it's, it's interesting. You look at uh, a Canadian jobs report mm. and it says lockdowns crimp Canadian... Er, Canadian. <laughs> You want to go live in Canada? Uh, lockdowns crimp Canada's recovery economy sheds 207,000 jobs where we had a 299,000 job increase report and that was disappointing. Um, Canada, very, very locked down compared to the US. Isn't that interesting? I've never quoted the Canadian jobs report ever. Like that's a first in over 20 years. Yeah, it's it's interesting on the kind of the front page of, I, I clicked on um, accidentally on Bloomberg Canada instead of the commodities page that I was trying to get to. Okay. And I uh, just thought it was interesting to pop up. But let's let's talk about inflation. So, I mean, everybody's seen it. About a month ago, I talked about the idea that people are start going to get very frustrated with the government reporting on inflation because they're going to be, well, and inflation so far is moderate. It, it's uh, not showing up everywhere in the economy is kind of the basic 
wording that we're going to hear from the Fed. It could be short term because of the supply chain. So we're going to leave rates, you know, where they are for now because inflation doesn't seem to go out of hand. And then you're going to go to the grocery store and pay a heck of a lot more for food. You're going to go try to build a fence in your backyard instead of three bucks for a two by four. You're going to pay over nine dollars for a two by four. And people are going to get mad. They're going to get frustrated when they hear the government talking about that. You remember a couple of years ago when the government um, is saying, uh, well, there's really no inflation. So the first time is, I think, four or five years ago, we're not going to increase Social Security payments. Usually it goes up with a, a little bit each year with inflation. Yeah. So they didn't increase Social Security payments, but the Medicare B premiums, which come out of your Social Security check, increased by 5%. So talk about talking out of two sides of your mouth, right? <laughs> sure. And uh, that's, that's rough. I've seen some inflation in car insurance. Doesn't mm-hmm. help that I've had a car stolen. <laughs> I've seen some inflation <laughs> in some other areas for my life, but uh, healthcare for sure. Um, just look at your pay stubs, you know, and how much we're paying for uh, medical costs. Yeah, so I asked uh, my neighbor, who's head of HOA, luckily a landscaper, so he kind of keeps everything nice. He's, okay. he's um, I asked him for a bark dust refresh, right? And he's like, well, okay, so we'll try to schedule it the you know, a few days before Memorial Day. Um, but a lot of times I'm going in and I can't get it and prices have increased like 35% wow. because the companies that make it, they make it a year ahead of time okay. to get different colors. It has to do different things and they have to turn it and whatever. I'm not sure what the mm-hmm. process is. But they're still catching up from for last year now when they're usually a year ahead. And so he also was telling me at one of my main large mowers that, you know, goes out and does a lot of commercial properties and things like that. Needed a new carburetor. And so he goes to order one. That's eight weeks out because of the supply chain disruptions. And so he's like, well, I better go buy a new one. And the new industrial style lawnmowers that were $1,300 last year are $1,800 this year. Um, that ain't there was cheap. No, no. And especially when you got to, you know, you need it though. You got to continue to run your business to make the same revenue and his costs are going to go up. So his bottom line, his profits as his businesses are going to go down this year because he's, the, he's in a situation where the cost of the bark duster mulch or whatever, he can pass that on to the client. Right. But some companies aren't like that. Like chips, you know, the demand for chips, that's a problem with, Supply Cinco de Mayo chips or semiconductor chips? I got full on those. I don't know about you, but well, the Cinco de Mayo chips are going higher with corn prices, and the semiconductor prices are going higher with uh, the supply chain disruption and what COVID knocked factories shut down for months and months, so to speak. Yep. So we're seeing it everywhere. We do have profits currently hitting, you know, we're twenty percent increase, but it's always comparing at the same time last year, and the same time last year was really, really rough. We're still seeing average across the board revenue growth of around 6%. So I would say, you know, don't expect a lot more out of the S&P 500 this year because everybody knows it's pretty good. Everybody knows a fiscal stimulus package is coming. I don't think it's priced for anything that's uh, um, something that we're not talking about. You know what I mean? Those black swan events that cause the 15, 20% corrections, which by the way, are major buying opportunities. It's not because I'm saying that there's a correction coming. It's because you typically have three, five to 7% corrections a year. And after a run up like this, 10 to 20% corrections, not uncommon. It's typically a good time to, to buy. You calling for one? Let's go on the record. 
I'm always calling for one. I, I mean, <laughs> That's fair. My, my retirees always know that the the way we set up portfolios in retirement yeah. is because 70% of the time the market's positive, 30% of the time the market's negative. It's what you do when the market is negative that affects the returns for the next decade. I'm going to vote for you to replace uh, Warren Buffett when he passes because he's got that phrase, I'm always cautiously optimistic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just that, you know, if you need the money in the next three to five years, it shouldn't be in stocks. You need that money safe, safer version of it. So um, <clears throat> and that's why you, you look and say, okay, as a retiree, here's my all of my expenses minus all of my income sources, like my social security, dependable rental income, a certain amount of dividends, and so here's how much principal I'm going to have to draw on principal in terms of how much of my portfolio I'm going to have to sell stocks or bonds. Bonds were down 4% at one point this year, Rob. That's because interest rates went up. That's dramatic. Now they've recovered. Yeah, that's a big move in bonds. Yeah. So they've recovered half of that. But if interest rates go up, your bonds can be going down. And so there's times when the interest rates are going up to fight inflation. So the market starts to pull back and the bond market starts to pull back. That's why you have to have a certain amount of cash reserve and, and carefully calculate that. It's not three years worth of expenses. It's three years worth of portfolio draws. It's two different numbers there. And uh, in that case, you can let your stocks ride when, when it corrects. And if they do have one of those 20% corrections, you're like, oh, is there something I can sell that's up so I can buy more stocks? That's how you should be thinking instead of some people, unfortunately, hit the panic button back in March and April and stayed in cash and are still in cash. And now they're doing the FOMO thing and buying stuff that's way too aggressive. Well, I better get into an IPO because I missed out on all these turns. I got to catch up. I better buy some crypto, you know? So I asked uh, an analyst earlier this week, and I'll ask you, I didn't really get caught up in the stay-at-home stocks. I didn't get the benefit there. I didn't really get caught up in the Bitcoins. I didn't get the benefit there. I'm not really doing the reopening in my own personal trades. I'm just the same old Rob Black. I buy for the long term. Um, how much fading in and out do you do with trends in your mind as far as an investor goes? Fading in and out? Not a lot. Like I mean, you play if, a if little you're doing, bit of crypto. You play a little bit of reopening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the reopening was the, the value-oriented stocks, the stocks that had just gotten beat up too much. Okay. So we took a heavier position after the correction in several things, including small cap value, little bit of tech, some commodity stuff. Um, so it's just the stuff that got too cheap. That's, that's more of what I look for. I don't, it, less trends and more, hey, what just got too cheap? Where's my shopping list? And you don't have to have individual stocks to do that. You can do ETFs. You know, large cap growth, expensive. Large cap value was, was cheap. You know, it's still, there's still a lot of areas of the market and industrial and financials and energy and several other places that are cheap. If you look at some of the, even the, big tech companies that have high PE ratios. If you look at the PE ratios versus the 10-year treasury yield on a chart, it doesn't look expensive by that metric. So it kind of depends on what metric you're looking at. Yeah. So you, you look at the PE ratio, but okay, what? why is that warranted? It's because instead of growing at 6%, which is the average revenue growth, the S&P 500, that company might be growing revenue at 30, 40%. Um, so... You, it's, it depends on what you're looking at. Do you fear that we look at things that make us happy? Like we try to find reasons to stay long because the market's up. We're making money. Woohoo! Uh, do you tend to think, that, is there any psychology that you've run across that uh, we, we look for? Oh, that P is not high when you look at the cash flow. 
Or yeah, you start yeah. saying just you start saying ludicrous things like it could be the next Yahoo or it could be the next Google. Um, I don't know if that's making sense. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it does. It's. I think that kind of goes a little bit into the FOMO side too. Okay, when you hear that, especially with. with I mean, I don't know about you, but anytime I go on any social media, I see at least one person pumping up some version of crypto. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so Except I just remember 1999 when everybody, including my 75-year-old clients, were wanting more internet stocks. <laughs> I get so skeptical of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just my nature because you've, you've, it comes down to, look, it's a company. So it sells goods or services. It has revenue. Is that revenue growing more for that company than other companies in that same industry? And then what are the costs? Are they controlling costs? How are they using cash flow? How much are they investing back in their business? What is their free cash flow? And that whole crypto thing in terms of if you look at what percentage of the Bitcoin sale that they did of their free cash flow, it, it creeps me out a little bit, Rob. I gotta say, I love my Tesla, but I also realize that Elon Musk wants to get to Mars. And if he has the ability to influence people on social media to do something and then take some gains and like, oh, I'm just trying to prove liquidity of Bitcoin. Guess what? Any asset class is liquid when everybody's buying it. See how liquid it is when all of a sudden you have a correction like we did two Thanksgivings ago. So, yeah, they're already saying that. The people art that sold the non-fungible token, the, if you wanted to sell it, there's no buyers. The novelty was buying it, not selling it. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, um, I, I mean, almost everywhere I go, people are asking me about it. Are you doing it? You doing it? You doing it? I don't do it for clients. When I have clients that are uh, wanting to get into it and they can afford that 1% to 3% of their portfolio, by all means, go go jump on Coinbase or Robinhood on, on your own. But it's not a company. It's not a stock. It doesn't have revenue. It's a store of value. So there's always got to be some other you that'll eventually be willing to buy it from you for even more than you bought it for. Doing the show today with the guy that got me into radio 20 plus years ago, Mr. Black. And then we're going to swap next hour. So stay tuned for that. Let's. So we've got a couple of things hitting corporations. We've got commodity costs mm-hmm. um, that are going up. And will that correct itself over the next year or two as the supply chain corrects itself and we get reopened? Or will demand from all of the money that's being pumped into this economy by our government push up demand so quickly that they just never catch up and we start to see inflation and then people demand more wages and that'll be inflation. That'll kind of be rough on corporate profits potentially if that scenario plays out. We've got higher taxes coming down the line for corporations, but let's face it, I don't know. You know, I don't think that the Trump tax cut on that side did much anyway. So I don't think most corporations were paying the levels that they that the government stated that they're taxed at because of loopholes. Mm. But it's some some companies will get hit with that higher tax. And I believe much higher taxes in the future for individuals. Um, Washington State, you know the state that everybody likes to move to, Rob, for no income taxes? Yeah. So they, you want to retire, pull money out of your IRAs without paying California or Oregon tax? Let's move across the border to the state of Washington. Well, they just implemented, and it was really stealth, to tell you the truth. I'm right. not sure how it really got passed. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're good at that state of Washington. What happened? Uh, capital gains tax on stocks. Okay. 
And it's really, really weird because they excluded a bunch of different assets. But if your income's over a certain amount, you start to pay capital gains tax on your stock sales. So all those people that want to move up to the state of Washington to avoid income taxes, just be aware of that. The other thing that people need to be aware of is that it's more expensive to die in states like Oregon and Washington. They have an estate tax at death, a state level estate tax where California does not. That's why I always say California is a very expensive state to build your wealth in, but a great place to die. So right now in California, if you're a married couple... With that, that's our state property, motto, by the way, in California. <laughs> it's a great place to die. Great. Come die. <laughs> Come die here. Stockton oh, is the man. armpit of California. Come die here. <laughs> that's right. You get some cheap housing and just, you know, cheap hospice, I guess. I don't know. That's sad. Anyway. Yeah, that, that's um, a good doubter. Mm-hmm. Cheap hospice. So part of the big Biden tax plan is right now in... If a single person dies, everything they own outside of retirement accounts gets a step up in basis. So if they paid hundred grand for their house and it's at a million, and they paid fifty grand for a five hundred thousand dollars stock portfolio, once their kids inherit that, the kids can sell everything tax free. It's called a step up in basis, yeah. and part of the Biden plan um, takes that away from everybody. So very key that if that happens, then they better totally get rid of estate taxes altogether which is pretty similar to what Canada did. And, um, and that makes more sense because I think the estate tax is a success tax and there's no reason the government should take somebody's money if they were successful. But Or just because uh, they died. Right. I mean, why? Are they doing a great job with our money, Rob? Yeah, I, just, I, got, the, I got a problem with the death angle on it. Yeah, it's, it's just, it is a pure success tax. And I saw, especially early in my career when it was much lower, I saw family farms had to be sold because the kids couldn't afford to keep the farm and pay the estate tax. And that's, that. that's garbage. I, I want to hear more on that story one day about the farm being sold. That's yeah. so 1980s, uh, like uh, John Cougar Mellon kind of story. Yep. There's a lot of times where companies have to go into debt because the primary owner had estate taxes with no liquidity. So businesses can be ruined, farms can be ruined because of estate taxes. It's like you have a farm that is, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of land, but the income's not that important. So they're just kind of working the land and, and making a living and not a lot of liquid funds. Yeah. Um, and th- there's some different ways to deal with that on a farm though, by the way. But anyway, the in California, when you're a married couple and you own community property, when the first spouse dies everything gets a step up in basis. And so if the Biden plan goes through and the feds get rid of the step up in basis, I'm wondering what happens in community states with the step up in basis at the first death, like what happens um, in California, Washington, and a few other community property states. That's why I've got a financial planner, Chad. <laughs> That's like, you're, you're starting to blow my mind where I don't even want to die. Or I want to tell my kids, <laughs> you better go get a job because nothing's going to be left. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of gifting done. Um, Yeah, this is this is going to be a year where there's going to be large gifts. I mean, if you're a very wealthy couple and you're already over the estate tax limit, and you haven't done things like spousal lifetime trusts, slats, or you can kind of secure the current higher estate tax credit now and put like a husband or wife could put their amount of exemption you know, five, 10 million, up to $11.5 million basically into a trust where the income could go to their spouse so they can still use it. But it locks in the credit and it gets all future growth out of your estate. 
So there's things like that that can be done. It can be avoided, um, which is kind of silly, right? I mean, everybody's doing that because of estate taxes. Um, and when you do trust like that, when you give money away into a trust to avoid estate taxes, you're typically already giving up that step up in basis anyway. So you're going to see a lot of grats, slats, charitable remainder trusts. I want to talk about that too when we do the next show is, is gifting and how people should be gifting right now. With the market at a high and charities definitely needing money, there's some really great ways to gift while the market is high right out of the portfolio, even right out of your IRA if you're over 70 and a half. Let's talk about gifting in the next hour. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, what else should we talk about? A little bit more on the crypto tax that's... that's uh, catching people off guard. Uh, I've got a story next hour about somebody that did some really detailed stock option planning with us in terms of how much incentive stock options, which is a certain type of stock option that you exercise and hold to get some benefits in the future if the company does well. And they screwed that all up because of some taxes that are going to be due on their cryptocurrency. So if you're trading crypto and you have incentive stock options that you're doing some tax planning for, they have to go hand in hand. A lot of people don't realize that the it's, trades that they're making at Coinbase and Robinhood get, get reported to the IRS. And I can't wait. That's going to be some exciting times talking to you about stock options. Taxes. Taxes. <laughs> and Robinhood. Looking forward to it. Uh, if you've got a question for the show, shoot us an email, chat at chadburton.com. That's chat at chadburton.com. We'll be back next segment. Thanks for listening. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.